Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Friday, November 17th edition of the Basement Academy. Boy, this week seems to have gone uh, quickly. And sorry for the technical difficulties on Tuesday. We got that posted later uh, in the day. So hopefully you can catch up uh, on that if you haven't seen that already. Uh, before we dive into our study again on the last word on evil, we're going to read a psalm that is in the context of an evil outbreak. Um, centuries ago, the Babylonian exile, the destruction of Jerusalem, in some way, the October 7th attack, uh, the heinous terrorist attack by Hamas uh, coming into Israel, and, and we read, dashing babies' heads against the rock. It was similar to that, decapitating babies, uh, burning them in ovens, just horrible, horrible. It, it's unthinkable. We live in a world where evil is real, <clears throat> and we should not delude ourselves. I'm going to address that. Uh, next week. Uh, one more reflection after today. But I want to read Psalm 137. It's a very sobering psalm, but it's important that it's in our Psalter lest we forget that destruction, the, the Babylonian destruction, lest we forget the Holocaust, <laughs> and lest we forget current atrocities. <clears throat> psalm 137. By the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars we hung our harps, for there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you, if I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy. Remember, O Lord, what the Edomites did on the day Jerusalem fell. Tear it down, they cried. Tear it down to its foundations. O daughter of Babylon, doomed to destruction. Happy is he who repays you for what you have done to us, who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. And that's how the psalm ends. Evil and then its response, right? So Lord, hear our prayer. Uh, for peace in this world, peace in Jerusalem and in the Middle East, peace in our own lives. Okay, yesterday <clears throat> we read chapter 6 of the book of Revelation and the Lamb who alone is worthy to open the scroll that is sealed, that has the seven seals on it, one by one a seal is broken and the four horsemen of the apocalypse come out and the souls of the martyrs, and the mountains and earthquakes, the natural catastrophes. And so six unsealings with Christ, the rider on the white horse, riding out over all. Human history is a history of conflict, of suffering, of destruction, of loss, of dismay, of persecution, and so much. And it continues to today. This is why we don't read Revelation as something only in the past or something only in the future. 
every generation has faced this. This is the human story. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 6, verse 17, the very last verse, ends this way. For the great day of their wrath has come, talking about God, the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? In human history, the, the, the human dilemma, in, in Ukraine, in Israel, in Gaza, in America, you know, certain places in America, war, destruction, suffering, loss are going on right now as we, as we speak. You may not be experiencing it, I may not be experiencing it, but it's being experienced by the human family. And so this is the, the, the story. And so who can stand? Chapter 7 then answers the question. And so let me read chapter 7. It's a little long, but, but it's important. Again, remember the context is we're in the throne room with the, 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 the one seated on the throne and the lamb who was slain and the living creatures and the elders and the angels, etc. <clears throat> so chapter 7 of Revelation. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or on the sea or on any tree. So stillness, an eerie calm and stillness comes. Then I saw another angel coming up from the east, having the seal of the living God. He called out in a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the land and the sea. Do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God, marking them out. Then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. From the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. From the tribe of Reuben, 12,000. From the tribe of Gad, 12,000. From the tribe of Asher, 12,000. From the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000. From the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000. From the tribe of Simeon, 12,000. From the tribe of Levi, 12,000. From the tribe of Issachar, 12,000. From the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000. From the tribe of Joseph, 12,000. From the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they? And where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tent over them. Never again will they hunger, 
never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them, nor any scorching heat, for the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. And that's how chapter 7 ends. So chapter 6, the breaking of the seals and the, the, the recollection of human history and the drama of the human family and the scripture, we read the history of the human family and human suffering through the lenses of scripture. It's the scroll that represents scripture. And Christ is the one who, who interprets it, makes sense. And so Christ who conquers, who was who crucified and risen to, to, to atone and to redeem and restore. So, so now chapter seven, who can stand in the midst of all the chaos and destruction and, and despair and suffering and loss and pain in the human society and human family. Who can stand? Ah, chapter 7. Those who have been sealed. <laughs> the people of God. Those who have been marked out and set apart and consecrated and belong to his family. They will prevail. They will stand. Remember, he's writing a letter to seven churches who are in the midst of it themselves. You can stand. You're going to hang in there, okay? So it's a pastoral letter. So there's an interlude. Chapter 7 is an interlude. We haven't gotten to the seventh seal yet. That comes at the beginning of chapter 8. Okay, I'm going to peek into that in just a moment. So six seals, the recollection of the, the suffering of the human family that lives east of Eden, and then this interlude. And so... 144,000 are sealed from the tribes of Israel. Israel being spoken of, I believe, metaphorically, yes, literal Israel, but then the new Israel, the church. The number 144,000 is suggestive. You've got 12 times 12,000, right? 12 tribes times 12,000 per tribe. We just read that. But that 12,000 is 12 times 1,000. And the number 1,000, as we'll see later in the letter in the 20th chapter about the millennium, the thousand years, a thousand years in your sight, O God, is like a day that has just gone by. A thousand is that number. You know, we would say, man, I haven't seen you in a million years. A thousand is that representative number, that, that multitude, that magnitude, that number that just, it's an exaggerated number, but it's, it's the number we use to talk about a great amount, right? <clears throat> and so you have 12 times 12. You've got the 12 tribes of Israel. You've got the 12 uh, apostles of the New Testament, the 24 thrones, right, around. So you've got another play on these numbers. And so we go from the, 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 the 12 times 12 times 1,000. The other thing is this, this play on the word seal. Jesus is opening, the lamb that was slain was opening the seals on the scroll, but now we're sealing the 144,000. We're putting a mark on them. Uh, there's an allusion to Ezekiel chapter 9. Uh, so I can find it again. Mm, sorry about that, I just lost it. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 9, verse 4. Uh, well, I'll go 
go back to verse 3. Then the Lord called to the man clothed in linen who had the writing kit at his side and said to him, Go throughout the city of Jerusalem and put a mark on the foreheads of those who grieve and lament over all the detestable things that are done in it. And then later on, it says, No harm will be will befall those who have this mark, who have been sealed. Uh, the, the seal is the mark of protection. It's the mark of identity. It's a uh, picture of the, uh, in the Passover, where they sprinkled the, the doors, right? The, the blood of the lamb was sprinkled over the doors and anyone had the, the blood over the door, the angel of death passed over those homes. That's why it's called Passover. The angel passes over them because they have been sealed. They've been marked out. They've been consecrated. They've been identified as God's people. So in Ezekiel, so in the Revelation. Well, who then is the great multitude? So you've got the 144,000, very precise. And now we go to a great multitude that no one can count from every nation, tribe, people, and language. Well, we've just encountered that phrase in chapter five about the lamb who was slain, who purchased for God people from every tribe, nation, language, etc. And so Hebrew poetry, well, we rhyme sounds, right? When we write a poem, we often rhyme a sound at the end. The last word will end in a certain uh, sound, and then we listen. Our ears are trained to listen for the rhyme, right? So we rhyme sounds. Hebrew poetry rhymes ideas. I've talked about this before in reading the Psalms uh, and in the Proverbs. And so this is a Hebraic way. This is a Hebraism is what we would say. The 144,000 speaks to the, the clarity. It's speaking of the fullness of the covenant community, the 12 uh, Old Testament, uh, Old Covenant tribes, the 12 New Covenant apostles, just like the 24 thrones. So you've got that and that times a thousand, 12 times 12 times a thousand, that great multitude. Now we get a great multitude. It's the same group of people. Same thing said two different ways. Nobody that God intends to redeem will escape being marked. They will be sealed. They will be identified and protected. But that number is not 144,000. That was symbolic, metaphoric, figurative. It is now a great multitude that no one can count. The redeemed community from every people, tribe, nation, language. This is who can stand. Who can stand in the day of wrath? Who can stand against all of the chaos of, of, of human history and human society and human brokenness and pain and war and conflict, etc. God's people can stand because they have been marked, they have been sealed, they have been identified. And so you've got the image of the white-robed martyrs. There's, that's some language that shows up in, in some of our hymns sometimes. So, so this interlude is answering the question, who can stand? those who have embraced the lamb, who, those who have been sealed by the blood of the lamb, who are marked and identified. I note also for you that we're in the throne room. You know, it's, it's easy to lose the plot quickly about this stage of reading the revelation because you forget you're in the throne room where worship takes place. And so chapter seven pulls us back to the throne room. And so this great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language were standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. 
So now not only do we have the four lit, the two thrones, the four living creatures, uh, the 24 thrones with the elders on them and the thousands upon angels. Now you've got the multitude standing there offering their worship. Salvation belongs to our God. So more hymns of praise being lifted up. The angels were standing around the throne, around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God. So what the redeemed community does in the midst of the chaos of, of their lives and the headlines and the breaking news and everything that's going on, the people of God worship. Amen. May it be so. That's what amen means. May it be so. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And then one of the elders asked John, who are these people in the white robes holding the palm branches? John's like, you know, I I, I ain't got a clue. You're the one who hangs out in these parts, not me. (laughs) And then the angel interprets. These are they who have come out of the great tribulation, who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And then another hymn, with ending with this beautiful picture of, and he will wipe every tear from their eyes, those who have died in the great tribulation. And so this notion, I don't have it on here, this this notion of the great tribulation, those who are inclined towards an interpretive style of Revelation and Daniel and Ezekiel that are given a maybe a little more trying to decipher and figure things out will use this language of the Great Tribulation. And there are schemes, um, frameworks, uh, interpretive frameworks that look to the future and talk about when the Great Tribulation will begin and, and so on, <clears throat> I would offer to you that we are in the Great Tribulation. The Great Tribulation is great because it is great in length. It began with the persecution of the righteous one on the cross. When Jesus Christ was crucified, the innocent one, he died an innocent's death. <laughs> and so when Christians are killed, you know, The Apostle Paul, before he was the Apostle, was a persecutor. He was Saul, and he was consenting to the stoning of Stephen. We read that in the book of Acts, chapter 7. And so so the great persecution that erupts in Jerusalem and scatters the people of God, and it, it helps to propagate the gospel as they go away from Jerusalem to chase, to get out of harm's way, they carry the message with them, right? And so the persecution is great. The the tribulation is great because it has been going on for 2,000 years. Christians are still being killed. Christians are still being persecuted for their faith. In America, we don't face maybe a physical life and death kind of persecution. We face economic persecution and others. You can lose your job. You can be ridiculed. You can be uh, set aside. you You can be deplatformed, right, because of your convictions. And yes, you can be killed, <clears throat> but the killing is happening in other countries. Uh, Christians, you know, in underground, living in underground or, or uh, fearing persecution, pastors getting arrested and the like. We have religious liberty for now, right, in, in our country. And so <clears throat> this, this great tribulation that takes place, 
And so we're in the throne room. We're, we're understanding who can stand the sealed, redeemed community, an important word for the churches to hear as they're facing it, those seven churches and every church, right? We need not fear the headlines. We need not fear. I'm not excited about everything that's going on in our country and in our world, but we need not tremble. We can stand. We will stand. We will persevere. That's what this book is about. It's a pastoral word of encouragement and a call to prayer and worship in the midst of it all. And so <clears throat> let me poke into chapter 8. When he opened the seventh seal, the lamb who was slain, when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God and to them were given seven trumpets. So the seven seals now leads to seven trumpets. Another angel, excuse me, another angel who had a golden censer, kind of a bowl with incense in it, a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. The smoke of the incense together with the prayers of the saints went up before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar and hurled it on the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning and an earthquake. What a picture. The seventh seal is open. There's silence in heaven for about half an, half an hour, right? Yeah, 30 minutes of just stillness. And then seven angels with seven trumpets. And then an angel with a golden censer. And there's incense in it, which is, uh, it's the smoke that is rising. The fragrant aromas are rising. That's the picture of mixed with the prayers of the saints. When you pray and I pray, our prayers are arising as a fragrant aroma to please the Lord. That's, it's a picture to help us understand. And those, that golden censer is hurled back to earth with thunder. And this is where the phrase reversed thunder comes from. We'll talk about this next week when we get to the last word on prayer. We'll, so I'm, I'm, I'm foreshadowing. So who can stand the redeemed community and the way we prevail is understanding that God hears our prayers. God hears our intercessions. All suffering, we are not kept from all suffering. Sometimes we suffer. <laughs> we, we, are tri we, we are persecuted. We die. <laughs> We are persecuted for our faith. We become part of the white-robed martyrs, right? But we stand, we finish this life in faith. We persevere to the end, and then we live eternally uh, with God. So anyway, a lot going on here in chapter 7. There's more to talk about. We're out of time. So let's go into the weekend, <laughs> contemplating this, that evil is bounded. Evil is not, uh, evil does not win. Christ rides over it. The white horse conquers. And then the seventh seal uh, leads to a prayer meeting, right? And a recognition that God is hearing our prayers and, and acting, the reverse thunders. Our prayers bring action on earth. Can't wait to talk about that with you next week, okay? Let's close with prayer. Father, thank you for the mercy, the grace, the kindness that you show to us every day in the midst of the suffering. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, as we each do, I will fear no evil, for you are with us. And so you prepare a table for us in the presence of our enemies. And so, Lord, feed us, strengthen us, comfort us. Hear our prayers. Mix these prayers and the prayers we offer each day and each week and mix them with the prayers of all the saints to accomplish your purposes on earth as they are in heaven. And so as we go into this weekend, we, we look forward to Sunday worship. And so call us to yourself and help us to join our voices with the, the angels and the white-robed martyrs and the four living creatures and the 24 elders that, that, that we may please you in every way. And so hear us now as we pray in the name of the Savior who taught us to pray together saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May you rejoice this day and rest this day in the blessed assurance that if you are a Christian, that if you have embraced the Savior, the Lamb's blood has marked you and you are sealed and you are kept and you are protected now and forever. Amen.